You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Humans tend to have a desire to defy death. We see people spend millions, thousands of dollars in research to save the mind. We see also them exponentially seeking to extend their lives. People have a deep desire to live and outlive those that have gone before them. While that may be true for some, others aware that they will eventually die, desire to leave a legacy. They build towers with their names plastered on them in gold. They make foundations after themselves, charities named after their family. They declare that they are important so that they, though they know that their body will eventually be gone, their name will live on. And it's not just the rich that pursue this. It's not anything new. We see throughout history men and women desiring to leave a name for themselves, to mark themselves in history. We even see it in the Bible, genealogies that name of people after people, this person begot that person, and so on. But in reality, all of it is that people will eventually be forgotten. We'll remember some, but people will be forgotten. But there remains in us the desire to be remembered. Approaching our reading this morning, we come in contact with a group of men that have been taught and raised up to be ones to leave a legacy. As Sadducees, they strongly hold to Torah and strictly deny any oral commands and any idea of life after death. This puts them in a different group than the Pharisees that we see interact with Jesus, who believe strongly in following the law to the T, down to what they give, down to what is work and what isn't work, and then to a future resurrection as well. In coming in contact with these men for Jesus, they ask Jesus a question that we need some context for. Now the Sadducees in this passage are referring to a specific law that comes from Deuteronomy 25 called the Leveret Law. The first thing this Leveret Law does is that it secures a man the right to a family legacy. It also guarantees the woman safety should her husband die without a child. In this time, women were not viewed as people as much as they were property. So this law served the benefit of legacy to the man and security to the woman. It gave him heir and it gave her child. She would not be alone and he would be remembered. Now looking at this story from the, the Sadducees, this story is covered, written in death. Brother after brother dies, passing away, and there remaining is a woman with a child. And then she dies. The Sadducees, they pose a question. Suppose you believe in resurrection. 
Luckily for her, she won't be forgotten or she won't be alone. She's the wife of seven men. But whose wife is she? If she's been married off so many times with, men, with these men and resurrections occur, does whom does she actually come back to be property of? Jesus gives us an answer here that deals deeply with the implications of the kingdom of God. Not only does he affirm resurrection, but he actually changes their terms altogether. He lets us see into the life in this age that is actually different than the life that we live now. Notice this woman is resurrected. And Jesus says she's resurrected not because she's a mother or widow or wife. He does not refer to children or husbands, but declares rather that she is a child of God. It's not because she is fertile or barren, widowed or married, forgotten or remembered. It's because she is worthy, considered worthy of that age. And everyone else who enters the resurrection, indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. This is the glory that Paul tells us about in Thessalonians, that they will obtain the glory of Jesus Christ, this coming resurrection. And Jesus tells us that in resurrection, things will be different. Marriage and customs, family and children, all shift in understanding. In that age, there's no longer concerns of building a legacy or working for people to remember you. There's no longer a fear of having to deal with hardships of expectations of having something that you can't have. It all goes away because you are now children of God. Now, this isn't necessarily to declare that marriage and children are a bad thing. Remember the tone of Jesus when talking about divorce. Remember his rebuke to his disciples for keeping the children from coming to him. Remember the anger towards the Pharisees for not caring for their parents. He does not remove, he does not remove the beauty and joy that all those things bring. But maybe he's actually calling us to reform our thinking on those things. That our spouse, our children, our friends, our co-workers, our siblings, our brothers and sisters, they're not there for, to build a means to our end, for something to build up for ourselves. But rather, they are there for us to remind them that they too are children of God. And as children, we actually begin to see a legacy, a new legacy in Jesus. Think about this idea. These men have been working hard to raise up a name for themselves, working hard to leave something behind that will remember them when they're gone. In declaring us children of God and children of the resurrection, Jesus is actually saying that it's not my legacy or your legacy, but the legacy of most importance is that of the Father's. 
If we are children of God, then we leave a legacy of Jesus on this world when we enter into the resurrected life. And that life isn't necessarily something completely future, but it's actually already begun when Jesus declares that he is the beginning and the end. And he declares that the kingdom of God is at hand. We actually see that this begins to empower us. Empower us to be active for the sake of others in our community. Because people are no longer tools to build our legacy, we are free to care for them and realize they are image bearers of the king. That's why we see people like Eric and Tanya creating a space to bring awareness of injustice to people of color. That's why we gather to do Who's My Neighbor with Dr. Dr. Stone on giving a voice to the marginalized in our community. Because resurrection means that they too are children of God. And then we look here today and we see that even in the sacraments of our church, they begin to weigh in on this, recognizing that they are glimpses of what is to come, a foretaste of what is in store. Now, now when we think about baptism, we remember that we have been washed. But on resurrection, we will take on immortality. When we think of Eucharist, we partake in his death. But in resurrection, we feast in the new life. When we think of marriage, we enter into intimacy. But in resurrection, we experience a greater, deeper intimacy with the Father. Now we can take these things and we can hold them in front of us and think, man, nothing could be better. And we would actually be right to consider the words of C.S. Lewis. Who says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. Fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. As we saw last week, the legacy of Jesus stretches throughout time to us even today. But how? How can we live into the resurrected family line? We live in a world of decay and self-made dynasties. I think there's two ways that I think of that we can come into this. First, we can realize what we're doing here. We are gathering together as the church, not just taking bread, not just taking wine, not just gathering together in a room even, we're actually being caught up, beginning to partake in the end. We hold fast to the traditions, as Paul says. This is absorbing us into the future feast that we look forward to in the end when we sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But we're not there yet. So we take his body, we take his blood, 
And in so doing so, we consume it. And then we go out to the world as the body of Christ. Church, you are the body of Christ, broken and poured out for the world. Second, extend the table. Don't leave it here. Don't leave it here in this room. And not look to see where the table has already been placed, where it's already been set in your interactions with coworkers, friends, those of not the same social status as you. God has placed you in that space for the sake of others. Be the beacon of eternal hope and joy. Be the proclaimer of a different life, living in the future resurrection. When people aren't a means to an end anymore, but our brothers and sisters, but our family members in the kingdom of God. There are these visions of, we have children in the church that come and are born and that's great and we baptize them and they are entered into the kingdom of God. But God's saying, my children are also out there. He's saying, bring them in so that they may be baptized and enter into the kingdom of God. He's inviting us in to welcome his children back into a resurrected life. For the sake of others. So that we no longer have to be inward in our thinking, in our desires. But we turn outwards towards the world. To give of our lives. Invite your brothers and sisters back home. To the love of God that has been freely given to them in Christ Jesus. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.